Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. everyone. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Barb Knows Best, the podcast. It's a great day to be alive, and it's a great day to be with all of you in our living room, ready to have another peaceful chat. Hi, Mom. Hi, Michelle. How are you? <laughs> that was cute the way you opened that up. It well, is, we're in our living room. <laughs> we're in our living room right now with our headphones on, and we're going to have a fun chat today. Well, right before we started recording, you were like, let's make the intro fun. I'm like, okay. It's like, be funny. Yeah, because this is kind no of a, pressure. Un- a unique episode we're going to do today. Yes, it is. It's very Barb-centered. You know, we do read the reviews, and I know how much you love to hear from Barbara and to hear about some personal experiences of her being my mom and we're going to address one of the most commonly asked questions from so many of you in today's episode. <laughs> right? Yes, about what, what are some of the things that I've taught you along the way? Or how did My you... My favorite life lessons from you. Yes, exactly. I mean, I'm asked this question at least, at least five times a week, wherever I am. Five times a week, you think? Yes, I do think so. You know, from people in the community, but also through DMs and things like that, because we do such a great job, you know, such a fun job doing all the things on social media and stuff. And we do the reels and, and yeah, I get a lot of DMs. Like if you had one piece of advice in raising your daughter or raising a child, what would it be? So yeah, this is going to be fun. And I think it's, yeah, it's me centered because it's the mom who raised the daughter, but it's also about you. What did, you know, I'm really loving this conversation. I can't wait to hear what you're going to say. What did you actually learn? What has carried you through your 38 years? Well, I guess maybe not okay. as an infant, but I'm I think it's interesting. Yet. Thank you. Oh, shoot. You're right. You're only 37. Thank I'm you. sorry. Thank you. <laughs> I have a tendency to do that, not round just with up. you. I have a tendency to round up. Well, I was having a conversation with someone this week, and I rounded up their age, and they're like, they said the same thing, so I must have learned that from you. Yeah, I wonder why I do that. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So... Um. Well, an interesting antidote to this topic of conversation is that I think that really, for me at least, and for this idea of this podcast and this show in general, stemmed from hearing from so many people and reading so many comments on social media and even, you know, in person, where people started to say that they felt like you were their internet mom. And that really, like, touched me deeply because... You know, whenever you decide to venture into any sort of project or put yourself out there in any sort of way, especially online, you never know necessarily how it's going to be perceived or taken. And certainly when you and I started doing this work, 
we didn't set out for you to become the internet mom, you know, like we had intentions of helping people find inner peace. And so when I started to notice this trend of people relating to you in that way, I felt that that was really touching and really cool, um, cool thing that that popped up without even really trying. And I feel like those things that happen without trying sometimes are are some of the most meaningful and, and magical. And I love that people think of you as, you know, their internet mom or their secondary mom or or whatever, because you are such a fabulous mother figure and you are so um, insightful and have so much wisdom to share. And so that's why I kind of felt like it would be cool to have you be the podcast mom today. That is so precious. I mean, that you, <laughs> you really touched my heart. But I, I know that... We still get those kinds of comments. We do. And I know that we have that kind of relationship with each other too, that you really, as I've watched you grow over these past 37 years, you really, when I hear you speaking back things that maybe I told you when you were five, or when I hear you speaking back things that I told you maybe when you were 18 or any of those, when I hear that, it, I can't even tell you how much it almost makes me want to cry because it is so precious. It's so tender and so amazing because what we say along with our actions and what we say really makes a difference. So when most people ask me what what's my number one advice, usually I say just just make sure your actions and your words match. Make sure you're walking the walk and not just talking the talk because our kids can see that. And I know that you've said that so often. I've heard you say that to people so often. You know, this is what my mom did or this is how my mom lived or this is what happened. And please, I was never perfect, Michelle. I mean, Michelle talks about being in therapy. One day I said to her, we talk about you being in therapy a lot and me being in therapy a lot. I wonder what, I wonder what that means. No, I'm just, I'm, I'm half joking and half serious, but <laughs> I think it's important that you, that who you are and what you value and what you believe all are in an alignment and then you actually live that way. So if you tell your children one thing, it's actually what you're doing as well or how you live your life. And so that's why this is so much fun. And I love doing the podcast with you because I love the conversations that we have. And probably that would be the second piece of advice. You and I have had, this is not unusual for us to sit and have conversations like this podcast. We have conversations constantly. We are throughout constantly your, talking. Throughout your life. So it's very, uh, it's, it's very beautiful that we have this platform and that we are able to talk to each other and that we have the kind of relationship that we have with each other though not perfect, and we've gone at it with each other over the course of 37 years. So please make sure you all hear that and know that. But that at the end of the day, love always prevails. Wow. How beautiful, Barbara. So I do love this, this conversation, and I, I'm very excited because today we're going we're gonna to give your top seven pieces of advice that you've given me as my mom. Could I just interrupt one more thing? It could just hit me. Okay. And when you were, when you were thinking about this podcast and we were talking about it, it was very humbling for me. And I know that was a little bit of a, a sticky point for me when you said, I want to call it Barb knows best. Oh yeah. Let's talk about it. And I was so humbled by that. But at the same time, it, it felt 
uh, too, I don't know what the word is. Yeah. It felt too self-centered. I said, Michelle, and she goes, mom, that's how I feel. Like, that's how I, I well, <laughs> no, you did. You said that's, I, you then we went, then we went into this whole thing about being an internet mom. And I used, I think it was that idea that it's, it's a very humbling thing that your take on things is that I learn and I grow and I share it with you. I think that's where I think it came from that I know best because I'm constantly learning and constantly trying to educate myself and constantly trying to become the best version of who I am already. And so I think we can get to that a little bit later too, because I think there's one of the life teachings that I want to share that might even coincide with this. So it'll all come together. Like it always does. Like it always does. But you know, I, I think at least from my vantage point of the, the podcast, a name, you know, there's always that adage that like mother knows best, but I think it's always kind of said in a way of like, no, they don't, you know, they think they do, but they don't. And I was like, no, you really, you do. And even when you're wrong or make a mistake, like you said, it's about becoming or learning or growing or evolving and not about being the best, but about becoming the best. Oh, that's beautiful. Because even, I think that's another life lesson that, I mean, there's so many, but that is one of the ones. I mean, I've made many, just two days ago, I called you up and I said, I was really mean to you. Yeah. Can you imagine? I was mean. I was really mean to you. So (laughs) it's like owning, owning things that happen when they happen and not being afraid to tell your children that you've made a mistake or that you were wrong or that you were mean or that you said something that you wish you could take back. Or I know I can't take this back, but this is... This was what I was meaning to say, and I'm really, really sorry I hurt your feelings and said it this way. Because we are not perfect. We are human beings. And so I think that is a huge life lesson as a, as a mother, as a father, as a caretaker, as, as the person that's raising the children in the home. Never be afraid to say that you made a mistake. I hurt your feelings. I realize I hurt your feelings. I'm sorry. I'll do better next time. I, I, I won't. My behavior will be better next time. Yeah, and I really do think there's something to be said about and to really contemplate and live in that concept and that truth of being imperfect human beings. I don't know necessarily where it came from, where it's been instilled in us that we have to live life perfectly and do everything correctly and by the book. And it's just not possible. And it's not practical and it, it's not even, it doesn't even mean anything. And so I just think the more that we can let go of being a perfect parent, a perfect friend, a perfect daughter, perfect colleague, and just showing up as we are in that open space of becoming, it just feels better and is more in alignment. I think it's so important as humans to be reflective. And I think it's also really important for us to be reflective and then notice and be open and receptive to noticing when something is off. The reason I called you the other day and said I was mean, and by mean, I mean she was she was spilling things on the floor. I think you were brushing up some breadcrumbs or something. They were going all over the floor and going all over the counter. And I'd had a really tough day, which is not an excuse, but I'd had a really tough day and I, I snapped her and I said, you're getting this all over the floor. What are you doing? 
in front of other people that were there. We were doing some filming. And in that moment, I could feel, ooh, because I could feel your energy. I, I could feel that that didn't make you feel good. It wasn't very kind. It wasn't very kind. So we went on with our day and that, and I called you back. I mean, I called you up later, and I, we talked about it the next day. That kind of thing. And I remember you said to me, no, you weren't. And I said, I was. And, and you accepted it. I said, I was. I, I could have said that in a kinder way. And she, I think it just matters so much that we do that, that, re, that reflection when you can feel it. So being in your body and feeling it, I could feel that that was not the way that I would like to be able to tell you not to spill the breadcrumbs all over the counter and the floor. And you could feel it. Because at first when I apologized, you said, no, you're, no, you weren't. And I said, yes, I was, honey. And I'm really, really sorry. That won't happen again. And you said, thank you. It was like the, just the most beautiful interchange. And then we went on to the next topic. And I think the more you do that in the moment, and I don't mean the moment like that second, sometimes you can in that second, but the more you can do that, it really matters. I think it really matters in the relationship. So, and, and you, you mentioned just now, because you said we were, that we were filming and we were in the kitchen how many of you have noticed that Barb cooks now on the internet? <laughs> what a rebrand that is. Well, <laughs> never stop becoming and growing and learning. I think, I think the thing with cooking for me is I don't like to cook for the most part. But if I'm cooking something, I'll cook something that I like or that I eat. So it's very, it's very particular with me. Mm-hmm. So, and it's been fun. I made pizza one night. I made strawberry shortcake, which I love. My favorite thing in the world as a kid was my grandmother used to make angel food cake. That was her idea of strawberry shortcake with strawberries and whipped cream. And then we're, I got one coming out here in the next few days, made macaroni and cheese. So let's get on. What's the title of this podcast <laughs> recording, Michelle? We what could digress. Title this? So today we're going to we're going to go through seven of my favorite life lessons that you've taught me. I love it. Because I've, I've learned that people tend to be intrigued by odd numbers. Oh, okay. Good. So six would be less interesting, apparently. Okay. So. So let's do seven. All right. And no particular order, right? It wouldn't be like, this is the most important one because no. I could say that probably about all of them. Yeah. It would be hard to rank them. Yeah. I mean, I might have... Uh, maybe I'll save my favorite for last, but yes. Okay. All right. Um, so here we go. Okay. And I would say that these really are lessons that I believe that you have instilled in me from when I was a kid mm-hmm. on. Like these are long stand. I can't think of any that have been really new. So they're they're tested for a long time. Tried and true. I agree. Great. I agree. So the first is, um, well, actually, this is my favorite. So we'll start with the first. Okay. You can't control anything in the outside world, but you can control and manage your reaction to it. Mm-hmm. It is. I. It, it is. That's what I think of when I think of you and what you teach or your message or yeah, if someone were to say, what's your what's the thing that your mom taught you? That's what the first thing that would come to my mind. I think you're right 
in that this is probably the most important one, actually, because it is because it is where we get caught. It is where we have all of our trouble. It is where we have most, not most, almost all of our suffering, our sadness, our sorrow, our tough times, because we're trying to get the outside world, people, places, and things. We're trying to get all the things outside of us in a line, in, in, in line, the way we want them. Why don't they know better? Why can't they do better? We're trying to always do that. And I remember what I used to say to you a lot as, a, as well, I say it now too, but if as, as a young person, especially never feel like you're at the mercy of the outside world. Yes. Always. That was the phrase. I think I even wrote that on your mirror many times. Yes. You are never at the mercy of the outside world. Even though you feel like you are, you're not. So it's very, very important. And I, I found it very important when you catch yourself feeling like I can control things out there, or I have to be right, or I've got to do this, or why are they doing this to me? Why is this happening to me? Why am I suffering like this? Or what is going on to me? Really, the only, the only power we have, period, the only power we have is how we will respond, what actions we will take, our reaction or our action to what's happening out there. So I always, I do this for myself, and this is what you and I've talked about for decades is really when you're starting to feel like you're out of control. Because usually when you're feeling out of control, it's because something in the outside world is out of control. So you start to feel out of control. You allow the outside world to dictate how you're going to act or what you're going to feel or what you're going to do in any certain situation. So I always say when you're starting to feel that first inkling that you're out of control or that things are just, you know, like it's... I want to say that that the anxiety is really starting to come up inside your body. You're starting to feel stressed to a point where you just are flustered even. Just pause. Stop. I remember I said to you so many times, just stop, start, and begin again. Stop, start, and begin again. Like do that all day long, 24-7. And I use the word stop for myself. Barb, just stop. You could use the word pause if you want because sometimes some people say to me, well, you can't stop. And I... I say, well, you can, but sometimes stop is such a harsh word, meaning, okay, stop, and then, like, go take a bath. I don't mean that. I mean just pause. Just literally stop what you're doing. Stop that mind from racing out of control because the mind is judging or it's comparing or it's trying to fix. It's trying to do something other than what is happening in this present moment. So so just put this on, write this on your mirror or just really keep this in your toolbox. Pause, breathe, and begin again. You can start over again every moment of every day. Every time you leave the present moment, you get anxious about worrying about the past or you get fearful about the future, just pause and breathe and start again. It is a perfect lesson. I know nothing is perfect, but this one really is because it it does put so much into perspective about life. And... It's so in our nature to try to control things, to, tr- to try to control everything that happens outside of us. And that I, I do believe that that's where so many of us start to collect anxiety and worry and frustration and some of those feelings that we try so hard to rid ourselves of because we're trying to control things that are simply not possible to be controlled. And, you know, time and energy and effort are our precious resources. And rather than expending our energy towards 
trying to control things that are impossible to be controlled, why not focus on what we can control? And, and that really is what's happening inside of us and our reactions and our responses to everything that happens. And it's not, you know, it's not like we're just sitting around waiting to be like reactionary to things, but it's, it's setting yourself up to be so solid and even keeled that you can manage whatever happens. So you don't have to control it because you know so deeply inside that whatever it is, you've got it. Beautiful, Michelle. And it doesn't mean that you're not going to be sad. You're not going to cry. You're not going to be hurt. You're not going to be angry. It doesn't mean any of that whatsoever. It means that you have 100% control. Isn't that kind of cool to think that we have 100% control over something, especially when everything else is out of our control? So it's really a neat, it's really a neat shift, actually. It's really a, a really powerful shift in your thinking when you can say, how I'm going to respond in this moment is 100% in my control. And a lot of times if we're in a very stressful or sad or irritating situation, for me, the best response in the moment can be, I need to take a break. And it doesn't mean I have to go to go to bed or I have to leave. It just leave the place where I am. Or it doesn't mean it has to be that severe. It just means I'm not going to think about this right now. I felt my, I'm feeling my feelings. I'm feeling really overwhelmed and I'm feeling really sad. I don't feel like there's anything that I can do about it in this moment. So let me take a pause. Let me go about my day and get back in the present moment and do my work or do what it is that I'm here to do in this moment. And I will take some time to digest this and see what my reaction or see what my response is going to be. I don't want anyone to think that we're not feeling our feelings and that you just, that you just, you know, intercept them all the time. It truly just means getting out of thinking that other people and things out there have power over you, especially if you're in a really difficult, tough situation. I've been going through this a lot the past year. Like, how do I, how do I get my power back? How do, I, how do I actually become grounded in what it is that I know to be true? And why this seems like the perfect, why you call this the perfect teaching or the perfect lesson is because it is true. We absolutely will never have control over anything out there, any person out there, anything out there, any event out there. We don't have control. We only can do the best that we can knowing whatever our intentions are, knowing whatever our aspirations or highest ideals are, but we don't have any control over what the actual result will be. And I think that's pretty cool to think that we have control and you start to relinquish that idea that you have to have such a tight grip on life. Yeah. I think I say this too. Take the life that you're living seriously. Yeah. This is our one precious life. But don't take yourself so seriously. Meaning you don't have control over what the outcome is going to be. So do the best you can and leave the results be what they are. And then take the next step if it, if it falls short of what you'd hope for. Yeah. And it's also that you're not even when you are managing and and controlling your reactions to things, it doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect. Like you're going to make mistakes, but it's, you can even handle the mistakes that you make. And it also reminds me of one of the, one of your favorite quotes and quotes that you speak of often um, from Viktor Frankl, when we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. 
and I think this is the same lesson in the different words of we try so hard to change everything outside of us and control everything outside of us. But what happens if we stop trying to do that and start looking inward to see what we can do within ourselves to either make our own changes or boundaries or something different? Look, we've been talking a lot this year. I'm in the process of a 30 plus year divorce, marriage divorce. I'd been divorced once before with your dad. So the prospect when this first started unfolding of being divorced twice yeah. was really hard for me to take. It was, it was, it was almost, that was, that was the block. I can't let this happen. Yeah. And so it's, I'm, I'm sharing this in this way with everyone because this will happen. Like, I'm not saying that, oh my gosh, just understand your hundred percent control over how you respond. And you know, life's going to be hunky dory and it's all going to be smooth sailing from here. No, I went through, I went through, many, many iterations in my mind about how could I, how could I stop this from happening? Because I can't be divorced twice. I'm only 60, I was what, 65 years old at the time. I can't, you know, that whole, that stigma or what I thought was acceptable in life. All those things come into your psyche, come into your mind, come into your, your whole energy field of, oh my gosh, what do I do? And it's just a version of trying to control everything out there. And once you really start understanding and really start taking the pause and, okay, let me think about this. Let me just, let me just sit with this in the moment. I promise you what happens when you really have this mindset and this intention that I know that I can't control things out there, but this is really heavy duty right now. So let me take it one little baby step at a time and see how I can actually work my way through this, trusting that I will come out the other side. Okay. May take a while, but I'll come out the other side. Okay. And here I am out the other side. Okay. Yeah. Look at you thriving, glowing. I do think that that's our, that's our, that's our birthright. Actually, it's our nature. It's what we're meant to do, but it doesn't mean we had, it doesn't mean that we're going to be free from going through the pain. Yeah. When I learned that in treatment, no pain, no gain. (laughs) I don't even know though. Some of those things, no pain, no gain. I think the better way to say that is there is no pain. There is no happiness without pain. I mean, there's always two sides there's always two sides of the coin. There, I mean, we could get really heady about it, I but know, how we would won't. we know what happiness is if we didn't know what the lack of happiness is? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's really all of those things. And so life, life out there doesn't necessarily get easier, but life inside, you start, it starts to make sense. It you starts start to, to feel stronger. Yeah. And, and capable and trusting in the present moment that what's happening in this moment not only will I survive, I will thrive. That I can, you talk about, you use the waves and you use water a lot when you talk about well, grief. we're Scorpios, we're water signs. I know, but see, I never thought of things like that. I love that you brought that into my, my psyche as well. You know, we ride the waves. Sometimes we ride the waves really well, like an expert surfer. And sometimes we're just hanging onto the side of the canoe, hoping we don't drown. <laughs> or thinking, I'm not going to drown, but I might come really close to it. Because there have been times this year, I've come very close to drowning but I always had that little piece of me knowing that my risk, that, that it would be okay. And I just needed to make sure that I was taking one little baby step at a time moving forward. Just keep swimming like Dory and finding Nemo. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Let's take a break. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. 
But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And we're back. And we're back with the second lesson. I kind of like being able to choose the order because you have no idea what I'm about to say. And the little smirk on your face is very cute. And I feel like... Even though I have no power or control over the external world, I have power and control over the the order, which is fun. I'm loving it. I'm 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 actually excited because I can't wait to hear what the next one's going to be. I'm well, the loving next one's it. Fun. So, I like surprises though. I'm yeah. a person that likes surprises. I don't mind being caught off guard. Oh God. Or well, things like that. I mean, I'm, I was saying that it, yeah. that's not no, what's hap- that's not what's happening here, but. I think when you can be receptive and open to what's coming next in the moment, knowing that whatever she says, I can handle it or whatever yeah. happens, I can handle it. It's really a powerful thing. It's, it's what you just said a few minutes ago. You start to gain your power when you recognize that your power is how you're going to respond or how you're going to take things in from the outside world. So I can't wait to hear it. So number two, um, and you had just mentioned things that you learned in treatment, but I know that this is one that you you learned in treatment that has become almost a daily thing between us. And it's never do anything when you're too hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, a.k.a. halt, and a.k.a. are you halty right now? Yeah, I know. This has been a huge one. So when just to, just to in case you haven't listened to some of our other episodes or you haven't read some of our things online or read my book, I went into treatment 38 years ago, I think almost 39 years ago now this year, for bulimia. I went into a treatment center for six weeks, and this was one of the main, this was one of the, I mean, I remembered a lot. I've been in recovery for this many years, and it's been so powerful to, I think it's what made me the quote lady, actually, or the sign lady. I love things that are reminders for us to come back to ourselves, to understand what's happening with ourselves, especially when it comes to a feeling or an emotion or an irritation or any of those things that are happening for us. So halt, as Michelle said, never get too hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. And if you've never heard this before, just let it play out in your life. The next time you're irritable, the next time you snap at one of your kids or your partner or the dog or life in general, Road rage. Road rage. Just pause. Everything is about the pause, really. Everything is about the pause and everything is about stopping. So just stop and just say, wait a minute. What's going on with me right now? This is what I did when I got out of treatment. I was constantly asking, what's going on right now, Barb? And it was always one of these four. Are you hungry right now? Are you angry right now? And you're not feeling your feelings and understanding your, the, the anger's coming out sideways at everything else but the, but the situation that actually is causing the anger? Or are you lonely? Are you feeling that you you need an interaction with some people or you need to get out of yourself or especially during this pandemic? I know that was a big one up for all of us. Things got lonely. And yeah. or are you tired? This is a big one for Hungry me. Hungry and tired are usually at the top of our list. Yes, they're definitely at the top of my list. 
for us. Yeah, that hung, and I, I really, I don't know if you can feel my energy about this one, but I, I really, of all the things that we're going to say today, I would love for you all to play with this one in your life. Seriously, just really ask yourself because you will be so pleasantly surprised that it is one of these, and then you have control over it. If I'm hungry, well, let me take a break here and eat something. If I'm angry, okay, what am I actually angry about? What what happened that made me angry that I'm storing this anger inside and it's spewing out all over everyone else? Lonely, do I need to call my friend? Do I need to call my sister? Do I need to call my daughter? Do I need to do something to have some interaction maybe with another person? Or maybe I just need to sit down and read a book. That ha- that helps me a lot. Or listen to a podcast. Or it, just doing some other physical interaction a lot of times, or maybe go for a walk. Turn on Barb Knows Best and be in our living room with us. Exactly. And tired is a big one for me. Yeah. I've said that to Michelle often. I will say, she'll say, are you all right today? And I'll say, you know, honey, I'm a little bit more tired than usual. I didn't sleep well last night. So I'm very aware of when I'm tired. And I know what I need to do to get my energy back. So... I would love it. I would love it if you leave in the comments. I would love to hear from you. I would love it. It would make me so happy. It would just, I think your lives will change. I truly think this is a life-changing experience to get in touch with what's happening inside of you. Obviously, it's life-changing. But then you're going to be so amazed at how, wow, I do have control. And this is what I need to do for myself. And then what happens? I'm so excited about this one. Can you tell? Then what happens is you start to become your own best friend. I mean, you truly start to become the person taking care of you yeah. instead of waiting for other people to take care of you. So, And as you're listening, you will start to notice that all of these lessons are kind of coming together <laughs> into one. So that's how you know that it's real. So that's what we do when Michelle said halty. So that's what we do, if, if especially in the car. I think that comes up in the car, it feels it like. It comes up everywhere. But it does come up everywhere. She'll say it to me or I'll say it to her. If, if either one of us feels off, and not just in a tiny way. I mean, we're always, we can be off in tiny ways. But if one of us really feels off in a way that has evoked some kind of feeling in the other person, like, whoa, something's not, something's not quite, quite right with Michelle today. Something's not quite right with mom today. We will look at we will look at the person and say, "Are you halty today?" It's a nice thing because there's no judgment, and it's like that, um, almost like a safe word where it's like, yes. you can say yes, and then okay, why don't you go get something to eat or you go take a nap, and we'll figure this out later. It's kind of like we're done for now. You go take care of which whatever it is, and there's no shame or judgment about it. Are you halty? Yeah. Okay. And we laugh. Yeah. There's no, there's no trying to hide it either. What yeah. I, that's what I love the most. Well, and I think that's why it's kind of nice to have kind of a gimmicky thing like this. Because if you said, I mean, I know when you say to me, are you mad at me? Are you angry? I'm like, no. Now I am. Shut up. <laughs> yes, exactly. So sometimes like coming straight out like that yeah. or, you know, oh, are you sad? Are you feeling lonely, Michelle? It no. Puts, it puts are you halty? Other- yes. It puts the other person on the defensive where this doesn't. It's fun. It's playful. Yeah. And we've made it that way because we've been doing it for ever. We have. But it's it's a great tool. And so if if I say, Michelle, are you hungry? Are you are you halty? And she says, Actually, Mom, I am hungry. 
often, especially if we're in the car, we'll, we'll stop what we're doing if it's not anything urgent and we'll go get something to eat. And I'll say, let's go eat. Yeah. You know, so I think it's really important. Are you angry? Well, let's, let's take a break. Let's, let's, let's sit down and stop what we're doing for a minute and tell me, is there anything you want to talk about or what's happening? Yep. And she'll either say no or me. I'm using her because I'm, if that's what's happening for, for her, she'll say, no, I don't want to talk about it because I want to tell you just naming that you're angry is 80% of the release. Just being able to say, yeah, mom, I am angry. You want to talk about it, honey? No, not really. I said, okay. So it's really important. It's fun, important, and I would love for you all to try it. Halt. So number three is there is peace in the pause. Lots of peace in the pause. Meaning that you might not be able to find peace in a moment or a situation or a circumstance, but like you were saying earlier, which is why I said these all kind of come together, you can stop, pause, breathe, and start again. And a lot of times that's enough. It's beautiful, Michelle. It it's, And it also gives you the energy and the understanding to not make a decision because I'm really angry right now or to not, you know, think that there's something wrong with me because I'm off a little bit today. Just taking that pause is, and whenever we talk about peace, peace is your energy. It's your power. It's your ability to come back into the present moment grounded in you. And not at the mercy of the outside world. So what Michelle said is absolutely true. They all just kind of weave together, actually. So, so yeah, there's so much power in the peace. I mean, there's so much... Um, peace in the pause. Peace in the pause. That's the pause. I mean, power and peace in the pause. Power and peace in the pause. So I, the PPs, the PPPs. <laughs> you know, I, th- I think about this one a lot. This was a lesson that was, I think... We've, you've talked about my whole life, but I learned it so much. It, it will never leave me after I learned it in a lot of the unfortunate and difficult situations that happened after my dad died. And we both did a lot of things in a reactionary way, um, in a very, coming from a very halty place angry and probably lonely um, and did not take the pause before acting. And that made everything so much worse. And I don't regret it, any of it, but it taught all of us so much and it got us to where we are today. But I, I can say without, without any pause (laughs) that if we had had pauses back then things might have unfolded in a different different way. Well, I know they would have unfolded in a different way, but things might not have been so difficult. It's so interesting that you bring that up and say that I'm glad that you did because it doesn't it it doesn't we're not trying to say that you that we're always going to try to take the pause because sometimes we sometimes when something very major happens like I just shared that that happening with me 
for months and months, I thought I can't get divorced again. I can't be divorced twice. And when your dad died, it was so traumatic. It was so traumatic that it does traumatic things like that can really throw you into a place where you even think about taking the pause. But I think what is so cool about understanding that there is a pause and kind of practicing it when you don't need it, like really practicing it when you're not in a trauma situation or in a dramatic situation, practice it. I can feel my body. I can feel when I'm starting to get tired. So I will just sit down for a minute. And I'm really just talking about a minute here and a minute there. It really is not that onerous. It's not such a huge thing that you have to try to fit into your life. And so because we are going to get taken out sometimes by these often, I don't even want to say sometimes by these really traumatic things that happen in our lives, you know, death, divorce, losing your job, all those things, this pandemic. So I, I think it's really important to practice. I'm all about the practice. I think it's really important to practice when you don't need it so that these things can be here when you do need them, because eventually you come out the other side saying, oh, Oh, let me breathe, and and next time now I've learned something. Maybe if I could take the pause first, as you said, Michelle, the outcome might have been a little differently. But then that's where you get to the place of thinking this is a blessing, actually, that this whole thing happened the way that it did. Because wow, I had just had the greatest teaching of my life. Because that is what we're here to do—to keep becoming and keep learning and keep growing. And so it's really important to have that in your mind so that you're never ever, ever beating yourself up. Why didn't I take the pause? Why did I allow this to get so out of hand? I made some major, 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 I I took some major, major actions back then that led to some things that were crazy and really upended our lives in a way that, you're right, Michelle, maybe it would have been differently, but as I look back on it now, 20 years later, has it been 20 years? No. How many years has it been? 15? 15 no, years. 16. 16 year. years later. I honestly, because of the outcome today, it's it's been the best that we could have hoped for, I believe, for our personal lives today. And that's a really cool thing to be able to say, even though we went through all of that traumatic, the, tra- the trauma of your dad dying the way that he did in his sleep. But then the trauma that led afterwards, so. And I think the pause is really powerful because if you think about some of the situations that we're talking about where things were said or emails were sent or actions were taken that maybe weren't helpful to the situation, the pause would have been, okay, I'm going to send this email. I have it written out. I want to send it right now because I'm so freaking angry. I want them to like feel my pain, wrath and rage and all and of pain. that stuff. But I might just sit on it for like overnight. You know, why are you looking at me like that? Because I'm thinking, or maybe I might have shown it to one other person. <laughs> and I was going to say, sit on it and maybe say, hey, I'm going to send this. What do you think? Yeah, exactly. But I knew I did not. I, I think I think this is why I'm laughing is because I want everyone to know this too. Sometimes you just want to do it. No, I know. I didn't want to show it to somebody else because I knew they were going to say, "Are you freaking crazy? Don't you dare send that email." So, and this is the thing. The thing is, is the discernment, though, yeah, because it is. 
I, I, we talk about this pause all the time and I talk about how beneficial it is all the time because it saves me so much heartache. But then there are some times where I just say F the pause and I do the thing that happened to me recently. And you even said, wow, I, I'm surprised you did that. And I said, you know what? It just, the moment got to me. I, I couldn't not. So it's not, again, not like we're going to be these perfect robotic people of, okay, this happened. I'm going to take 20 seconds until I go again. But it's just the discernment of, um, like, you know what? This might be knee jerk, but I have to go with this feeling right now. And then, or, make it, you know, oh, this, this is a lot. I need to take a minute. Yeah. And then making the amends when you've done something like that, if, if you've harmed another person or right. done something that you wish that you hadn't done immediately, don't let, don't, oh, well, it's all right. I won't do that again. If you can do it, if you can't, that's fine. Learn the teaching. I think to wrap up this one, I think the idea of the pause for me is almost always linked to, especially what, what you were saying, you're going to do it, is almost always linked with I'm right and you're wrong. And I am going to show you that I'm right. It's linked with being right. Yeah. And that idea of having to be right and I'm right. Or they're going to see that that my thought process here. And isn't that what's well, happening? Well, control again. Exactly. It's going back to number one. Exactly. All right. And number four, actually, I, I've made an executive decision, Barbara. Mm -hmm. Yes. That we're it's going to have to be a two-parter. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love two-parters. <laughs> I love two-part episodes. So, okay. I mean, wonderful. We're going to end on four. Okay. And we'll give the last three and a bonus maybe in the next episode. Wonderful. So we're going to an even number, even though I didn't mean to. We'll give a couple bonuses. Um, I love it. Oh, she just got so yeah. chipper. See the, the flexibility. Being flexible in life is key. Um, I love there. I, there's nothing I love more than talking, talking about learning, growing and becoming. There's nothing I love more. I love talking about all the things in life that go wrong. All of them, even the most horrific things that go wrong. One day we'll share so many more things with you guys. I mean, we've got, we've got decades and decades and decades of stuff. So keep on listening. All the things that are that could go wrong, but then moving through all the feelings of it, moving through all the pain and the suffering of it, and then coming out with a teaching. Okay, I learned this. This is my teaching for this whole episode in life. And then you see how that just kind of magically helps you become the next version of who you are from the inside out. So I love it. Yes, okay. ma'am. Number all four. Right, number four. This one is, is one that I've heard you say for my whole life, but I've recognized in recent years how powerful it is for other people. I would say if, if you would ask me, what do I think people take away from their, con their interactions with you or advice from you, especially when you work with athletes and we work with our young people, students in particular with they always say is the thing that they've learned from you. I can't wait to hear it. You don't know? I don't think so. I'm, I'm sitting here. I actually have tried to come into, I, you know, being, that's the other thing we have to talk about being on that silent retreat for 30 days. I really try to come into the moment. I was hoping you would fresh. be ready to talk about that soon. Yes, I will be. Um, and it's not that I don't want to share it. I just, I need to gather yourself, gather myself. Yes. So I like to just kind of be in the moment 
without anything coming from the past. So no, I'm not sure that I know what you're going to say. Be where your feet are. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. Be where your feet are. That's one that you've said forever Mm -hmm. and it's from Thich Nhat Hanh, correct? Yes, correct. Um, But I think it's, it's such a, such a simple but powerful way to tell people to be present. I think so often people, you say, be present, be present. I'm like, what does that mean? And this is like, okay, where are your feet? Be where they are. I love it. It is. It was powerful. I went on my first silent meditation retreat with the Buddhist Vietnamese master, meditation master, mindfulness teacher, and master Thich Nhat Hanh. In 1993, 94. Wow. Maybe 94. A one-week silent retreat. And we walked. He's, he was, you know, if you know Thich Han, he's, he's really kind of his, I don't want to call it a calling card, but really kind of he's known for being a mindfulness teacher and mindfulness meditation and walking he does sitting meditation, of course, but walking is truly his thing. Walking is his thing. So I remember being on this silent retreat, never gone on a silent retreat before. I don't even think I knew it was going to be silent when I showed up. And we're in the big hall before we went on this walking meditation. And the last words he said to us were, be where your feet are. Mm. Just be where your feet are. Your mind starts to wander, be where your feet are. Because we were walking very, very, very slowly. And I'm a pretty, I was, I'm a pretty fast paced (laughs) human. (laughs) And I remember that was the most powerful thing I think that I had ever learned up until then. Well, besides halt and some of those things out of treatment. But well, I think, you know, our minds can take us into so many different places and, you know, thinking about things that have happened in the past or worrying about the future. And sometimes just saying to yourself, be present, be present. It's hard to really ground yourself in the present, but you know, quite literally and physic- physically and figured like your feet are right here in the present. Like if I'm looking down at my feet, they're here. They're not 10 years ago when I did this or they're not 10 years from now doing, they're right here. And I think this is such a powerful thing for, for teaching young people, for teaching kids, anybody, but you know, where your feet are is where your mind is. Ah, I love that, Michelle. It's because it's true. I, I believe, and as I've as I've gotten older, and practice is everything. Everyone practice, practice, practice. As I continue to practice and continue to practice and continue to practice after all these decades, I believe so strongly that when you can connect everything with your body, your body knows. Your body is. The body is our greatest teacher, I believe. It's I've just I have really, especially the past few years, with with the suffering and the sadness and the things that have happened going through this divorce, I just have really been connected to how I'm feeling. And my body tells me what's up before my mind and my whole being even knows. It's like my body already knows, Barbara, do this. Barbara, this is what's happening. So I think the idea of connecting what you just said, Michelle, was so powerful and so beautiful the idea of connecting the present moment with your feet which was probably Thich Nhat Hanh's plan the idea of connecting with your body it's why he loved walking meditation almost all the pictures you see of him he's standing up and walking 
or videos. I mean, he, certainly he's sitting down giving talks, and I'm not trying to say that he wasn't wasn't also a teacher of sitting meditation and, and lectures and things like that. But he really loved putting it into the physical realm of because he was trying to help us see when you're washing the dishes, be where your feet are. When you're doing this, be where your feet are. When you're sitting with a friend, having a conversation, be there. Don't be thinking about what you're going to have for dinner. Don't be texting on your phone. So it was really about your body. You said it beautifully, Michelle. Your feet are right here. Your body's right here. So just be right here. It's a whole lot more powerful and more meaningful and digestible when you say it that way, I believe, than be in the present moment. Amen. Well, those are some really powerful lessons, I think, to get us through this upcoming week whenever you're listening to this. Um, and we have some more powerful ones to come. So I'm glad that we can split this up and give, rather than rush through them, but give them the attention and presence that they deserve. So stay tuned for that. She'll be very excited. She loves the two-parter. I do. <laughs> and stay tuned for the, I will, Michelle, I know you've wanted, you've asked me many, many times. I will share, it'll probably be a, it'll probably be a four-parter. Truly, me. if I, if I share about that 30 day <laughs> retreat, I was on a 30 day silent retreat. It could be, it could be a four parter, but I will share about that. But I do love two parts because it feels so organic or it just kind of feels like it flows that way. Sometimes when we're talking about these really deep topics that we talk about you and I all the time, but that we talk about on these episodes, there's something about having more than just fits in the box, if that makes sense. It just feels so fluid and so relaxing, kind of. So I'm excited for the next part two. The next chapter. So, yeah, I'm excited too. And I'm excited. I'm excited for you to have the microphone to talk about your retreat experience. And I'm excited for you all to hear about it because I've, you know, obviously heard some things about it, but... I cannot wait for everyone to hear, hear it all because it was a powerful experience for you. It was. It was. All righty. Well, thank you guys for listening to this episode and being with us and being such a beautiful, um, creating such a beautiful community for this show. We're so grateful for you all as always. If you'd like to stay in touch with us, which of course we hope that you do, make sure you're following us on social media at Peaceful Barb, at Michelle Maros, at Barb Knows Best Pod. That's the best way to ask us questions, um, ask podcast topic requests, or, you know, have any clarification on anything that we talk about on the show. Um, and if you're loving the podcast, again, which we hope you are, make sure you're liked and subscribed to the podcast wherever you're listening to podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify. As you know, that's the best way to stay up to date on all of the new shows and episodes. And that also helps the show grow and become just like all of us. If you haven't yet, please make sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes or Spotify and leave us a review. That's another way to be helpful to the community and to the show. And lastly, as you guys know, I hope by now, we have merch. Merch is out now. And it's available and it's so cute. We've been seeing some of the orders come through. We've seen the photos some of you all have posted and it brings us a lot, a lot of joy. So make sure you check out our merch if you are interested in supporting the show that way. MichelleMaros.com slash shop. Or you can click the link in our show notes. 
There's some cute sweatshirts, t-shirts, some colors are limited editions. I know we've got a lot of holidays coming up, Mother's Day, Father's Day, graduation, summer, self-love, anything. So check them out and let us know when you buy it. Thanks so much again for supporting the show. We love you all. We'll chat with you next week because as we know, Barb knows best. Bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.